This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. All eyes are on what's happening with Aaron Rodgers, but there is a two-quarterback situation going on here in the back at Big Apple. So what we'll do, we'll update you on what's going on with uh, Daniel Jones and Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr and Jimmy G, Lamar Jackson, and then we'll talk some hoops tonight. And I got to tell you, before we tease the hoops, I got to tell you before I tell you about football, I saw, I was very surprised at the intensity. I was very surprised at the pace. I was really surprised at the first game nationally that I saw with the Sixers and Memphis. That was a really good game. That, that, that game had playoff intensity to it. And just back from, just back from the, you know, the all-star break, well, not that they put out any energy in the All-Star break, but they didn't defend anybody, so I guess they had all that energy saved up. So we'll, we'll talk a little hoops a little bit later. But let's get started. Let's begin this time with the New York football giants. And while the Jets are getting all the accolades and getting all the information and getting all the publicity about what are they going to do, who do they pick, do they wait for Rodgers, do they not wait for Rodgers, do they sign Carr even though he's not as good as Rodgers, do they end up saying, well, what happens if Rodgers and Carr are gone? Do they go with Jimmy G? Is there a possibility that they could find a way to get Lamar Jackson? So if you're, if you're trying to follow what the Jets are doing, your head is spinning like Linda Blair and the Exorcist. A movie in the 70s. Look it up on Google. You, you, you just can't figure it out. So what we're going to do is while you take a deep breath and, and wait to see what happened today, we're going to start with the New York Football Giants because not that I expected not that I expected this to go quickly but and there was some talk about what really Daniel Jones changing his representation really meant and it now seems like there's a discussion or dispute is he asking for 45 million is he not asking for 45 million is he asking for 40 million what exactly is he asking for? And what exactly are the Giants going to do with this situation? Because if they franchise Jones, then, then I don't know that Saquon Barkley is back with this team. Because I think the cost-preventive thing to do would be to sign Jones to the multi-year deal and make Saquon the franchise, give him the franchise tag, see what he does this year, and then move forward. And then you've got your two people back, and then you move ahead and see what, what you're going to do with the rest of this team. But this contract situation is just not going smoothly. Dana Rossini was on Greeny this morning and says, the two parties just aren't seeing eye to eye right now. The last I spoke with people involved in all this was yesterday morning, and the numbers were still very off. There was a number floating out there, I think around $45 million. Jones. I was told that that was higher than the number he actually was looking for. It's more in the $41, $42 million range. The New York Giants looking more in, in the high 30 for Daniel Jones. So unless they can figure out an agreement, this has got franchise tag right all over it. And that's not what the Giants want. The Giants really really don't want to use the franchise tag on either player. But if they had to, they would rather use it on Saquon Barkley because the franchise tag would be $10 million for for the running back. They'll gladly pay him $10 million for one year. But see, if they have to use the franchise tag on Daniel Jones, then it really hurts them because Jalen Hurts is going to sign. Eventually, I think Lamar Jackson's going to sign. And that's going to reset the market. So now... Even if he's asking 37, 38, if they wait a year, franchise him for a year, he may be able to get 50. Don't, don't look at me like I have three heads. You're like, Daniel Jones getting $50 million a season? <laughs> Daniel Jones making more than Patrick Mahomes? Once every quarterback signs, it resets the market. So, yeah, it, it's a possibility. Chris Canty was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max, and he says, you know what? There is pressure on the Giants to get this deal done. 
How much pressure is on the Giants to get a deal done with Daniel Jones? Oh, there's a lot of pressure on that. But I don't understand why the Giants are in a hurry to commit a nine-figure pack to Daniel Jones when you've only had one good season out of the four years he's been in the tri-state area. I need more information before I'm sold on Daniel Jones definitively being the future of my franchise at quarterback. I get what Chris is saying. But I think what the Giants are concerned about is, hey, if they reset that market, with our luck, he may be good again, and if he's, which is a nice problem to have, except when you got to pay him. Because the other issue is he's, they're not just a quarterback away. They have other players and other positions that they need to get squared away here. Okay, this is not just, well, we only, all we have to do is sign Daniel Jones and we're good. No, the, the, this is a rebuilding process with this team. Yes, they got up to a quick start. Yes, they did better than a lot of people thought they would do outside Giants, the Giants building. Okay, you know, even they may be surprised a little bit. And of course, what Chris is saying, really, and in the back of, the, of your mind, Giant fans, you're kind of wondering too, is Daniel, which Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones? Is he the Daniel Jones from last season? Or when you bring him more weapons and he throws the ball down the field and airs the ball out, are you concerned that he's going to have more turnovers? Are you concerned the interceptions go up? Are you concerned the fumble situations come back? But then do you want to franchise him and, and, and give up the opportunity of, of losing two positions plus it kind of hamstrings what you can do to improve your team. Mina Kimes was on NFL Live. She did a great job on the, the K-Show earlier this week. And she agrees with Chris. She thinks the Giants should wait and pay Daniel Jones. I think that the data you do have on this quarterback, based solely on what they've seen, isn't good enough for you to believe you can go toe-to-toe with the top-end offenses in the NFL, of course, as you saw at the very end of their season in the playoff run. Um, now... All right, so I agree with what Mina Combs had to say. Okay, here's the situation. The situation is you don't know what's going on with Daniel Jones, okay, in the sense of you're not sure whether he's the guy long-term that you have. Is he that guy? Is he that guy that you're going to be able to say, all right, this is our franchise quarterback. We're good to go. We definitely know what's up. He's the guy. It's hard to say based on the one season he's had. Now, it was a really good season. There's no question about it. He looked really good. But do you know if he can continue to do that? As I just mentioned, when you bring in more weapons, is he going to be able to continue to improve? Now, you would say and you would think that, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because all Dayball and his staff has to do is to continue to scheme things that you know that he can do. See, that was the key thing with him last season, right? The key thing with him last season was very simple, that he was able, they controlled him. He knew what he could do. They let him run the ball a little bit more. He used his legs. He went to Saquon Barkley. And as the season grew, he developed more chemistry with the receivers on the team. Okay. Now, next year, you know you got Sterling Shepard coming back. Hopefully, he can be on the field a little bit more than he was on the field this season. And then you'll be able to keep him going and have a way to keep that giant offense. But once again, this is why this is such a big issue for this team. And the reason why it's such a big issue is this is not the end of a rebuild. This is, this is a team that made the postseason great. Giant fans didn't expect There's no way the Giant fans expected this team to be this good this year. No way. First of all, you didn't think Daniel Jones was going to be this good. Secondly, you didn't know what to expect from Saquon. You didn't know whether Saquon was going to be able to stay healthy. And he stayed healthy for the most part. He got nicked up a little bit. And you saw that his production dropped some. But he had a heck of a year. He was your playmaking guy for most of the season until the receivers caught up. So it's an interesting situation, clearly for the Giants. And how they handle it is going to be fascinating. And I'm very curious to see how it turns out. I really am. It's ESPN New York Tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's talk a little Jets. So we know that Aaron Rodgers has left his, um, let's say his, his darkness retreat place. 
Okay, and we know this because Scott Berman, who owns Sky Cave Retreats in Southern Oregon, said he left him. He saw him. Left the facility Wednesday. Now, Rogers previously said he was not going to the retreat just to figure out whether he will play in 2023 or retire. Because remember, he is under contract with the Packers for, get this, a guaranteed $59.465 million. I did say guaranteed if he plays this season. So one would say, you're not giving up almost $60 million. (laughs) He's going to play somewhere. And the question and the debate continues. Will he be playing in Green Bay? Will he be playing in Florham Park? Or will he be playing in Sin City, Las Vegas? Those would be the top three places. And clearly, the Packers are not sending him or trading him to an NFC team. So we know he's not going anywhere in the NFC. He is clearly, clearly going to be able to play in the AFC. Now, the debate continues, and it's an interesting one, all right? The debate between, if you're a Jet fan, obviously the talent of Aaron Rodgers is intriguing to you. You've watched what he's been able to do over his career. Even he struggled last year, and so that gives you a little pause. But you know that he is a top-notch quarterback. He's going to go down as one of the top quarterbacks in NFL history. And he could be on your team. Now, the issue is you're probably only going to have him for two years. If you have him for two years, there is, I guess, a ray of hope that possibly, possibly, he can do something to help you save your second round, your second overall pick in Zach Wilson. Possibly, maybe. It's not a priority. It's a byproduct of him being here. That's number two. Number three is what will the Jets have to give up to get Aaron Rodgers here? Aside from paying him the $60 million, what else will Green Bay require in draft capital to make this a reality? And are you ready to deal with, to possibly deal with the same scenario next year this time? I don't know if I'm coming back. I'm not sure. I mean, remember, he's got a guaranteed $60 million. And he's saying, I I have to think about what I want to do. I'm not really sure. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure many athletes every offseason sit down and think about what they want to do. They don't publicize it like this. They don't make it like it's a soap opera. But there's no question that athletes have to make those decisions. All right, so those are the three things, all right? With Derek Carr, we will agree that he is not the talent that Aaron Rodgers is. However, because he is a free agent, there is no draft capital that needs to be sent anywhere for his services. Right? So this this is strictly a monetary deal. Strictly a monetary deal. I don't think he's going to ask for $60 million a year guaranteed. I don't know. I don't think he'll ask that much. But clearly, you, you just have to sign it. And you have to watch how you structure the contract because much like the Giants, the Jets have needs that they have to handle. They've got folks that have to be signed. Quinn Williams wants an extension. You know, you've got some other people that you may have to restructure to get under the cap. So you have some more room to make some more adjustments and changes. Lord knows they need some help on the offensive line. So there's a lot of things that they have to do to make this happen. All right. To make them better. In addition to the quarterback situation, I would dare say that because Derek Carr is eight years younger, nine years younger than Aaron Rodgers, that you're, there's no situation that you're talking about. We're trying to, wait till Zach Wilson, I would think that you're making Carr your quarterback from here on out. And eventually down the line, you will draft a quarterback that will be his successor. So those are the situations with him. With Jimmy G, even though he hasn't really been in the conversation, 
it's been rumored that he wants to be paid, you know, with the big guys, and he's got a really good track record, even though even though you got injury issues with him, and that's what you're concerned about. Otherwise, he would be further up the list, I would think. But, you know, he gets hurt a lot. And when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, you need your franchise quarterback to be available. So it's a lot of conversation here. And, of course, on the wild card is Lamar Jackson. And there are a number of folks. Mike Tannenbaum is one. There's a number of Jet fans. I spoke to one today who says, if I got to give up draft picks, I'm giving up draft picks so I can get Lamar Jackson. And clearly, Lamar Jackson is would be the best available quarterback out there. But we're not sure what his availability is. All right? You figure that what Baltimore is going to eventually do is put either a franchise tag or a restricted franchise tag on it. All right? Either way, they have to get draft choices. So it's what would you do to get a package together that would give you the opportunity to get Lamar Jackson. And of course you would then have to sign it. All right. You would, you would sign him or you would agree to the signing because what they would do is they'll sign him to a deal and then they'll trade him and then you'll, you'll pick up the salary and then you'll have to send your draft capital. Now, clearly that would be the number one option, but I'm not sure. Think of it this way. If Green Bay is not going to send Aaron Rodgers to another team in the NFC, why would I think that the Ravens would send Lamar Jackson to another team in the AFC? Where they know they're going to have to see him once, maybe twice, every season. But Jeff fans, just think about what that would be. Just think what that would be like. That you would have, I mean, since you're fantasizing about Aaron Rodgers, why don't you fantasize about this one moment? Just think, you would have an outstanding quarterback who is playing the game the way the game is played today, right? Who is who is a, a quarterback that can move with his legs, a quarterback that has a very good arm, a quarterback that can extend plays and you're building an offense around him, which is something that he does not have in Baltimore right now. He's got an outstanding tight end who is one of the best tight ends in the game, right alongside Travis Kelsey and some of the top, and some of the top, top tight ends in the league. Okay. He's, he's, he's right there. Okay. So you have that situation. Then you've got some young receivers, but not the running game. So, and the defenses, I would say, I give Baltimore the slight edge because of their experience, but the defenses are comparable. Okay, they're comparable. Baltimore might be a bit more physical because that's their identity, but this defense, the Jet defense is growing and they're getting that type of physicality. So, that's where that question becomes interesting as to what would it take to get Lamar Jackson. Now, clearly, Baltimore's not going to rush to this decision. Baltimore's going to keep going until they figure out, you know, what's the best way. If they can come up with any kind of deal with Lamar Jackson, then that's what they'll do. The funny thing here is he's been hurt the past two years and has limited what they've been able to do in the postseason. So I just got to be honest. I, I really don't see how the Ravens allow Lamar Jackson to walk out that door. I think they'll come to some agreement, even if they even if they franchise him for a year. Now, he may hold out and whatnot, but he's not going to give up that money. He'll they'll franchise him. He'll, he'll at least play for one season. So I don't see him coming here. I don't see Aaron Rodgers coming here. And I know that uh, David Carr, Derek Carr's brother, 
who works on NFL Network, has indicated that Derek doesn't want to rush into this, to this decision. If he doesn't want to rush into the decision, that helps the Jets. Because the Jets are still trying to figure out whether they want Aaron Rodgers or not, or what he's trying to do. Now, reporting has said that they've reached out again to Green Bay to try to figure out, okay, what, what will it take? What will it take to bring him here? It's just, it's a crazy situation where you have to try and figure, if you're the Jets, what to do and which quarterback to go after and how long is too long, right? How You have to really stay in touch with everybody and keep the communications open because you don't want to be in a situation, and we've said it before, where you're looking and you're like, man, we this is not the quarterback we really wanted, but this is what we're stuck with. You don't want to be in that situation. You really don't. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and take your calls next on 9870 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Aaron and Green Bay have to sit down and hash all this out. What does he want to do? Green Bay needs to find that out. The New York Jets need to find that out. Uh, by all indications I've received, Aaron Rodgers is the Jets' option A, and Derek Carr is their option B. And Derek Carr is waiting as well because he has other options, um, but his meeting with the Jets went well. So there are a lot of hands on the fire for the Jets and for the Packers as they sort of wait on Aaron. Um, you know, He's going to meet with Green Bay at some point. We don't know exactly when that's going to happen. It could be today. All we know is that it's going to be before free agency. That's really the only certainty, but that's three weeks from now. Uh, so there could be still a little bit of a wait on this front. So this is not going to be solved, so you're going to be getting a daily update. <laughs> What's going on with Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr and everybody else? Jose's in Brooklyn. Jose, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, how you doing, Larry? I'm doing good, Jose. What's happening? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, the 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 the, the daily soap opera that is the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers, you know, just continues and continues. <laughs> it does. And what's amazing about it is it's just, you know, as I look at it, I, I just find it funny how Lamar Jackson is being talked as like the second option, which I think is kind of hilarious because I think he should be ahead of Rodgers as far as trying to get, but I know that it's not going to happen. And at the end of the day, I'm a little concerned with me giving Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed money to, to, to Jackson and, you know, with how his injuries have been the last couple of years. And my thoughts on with the with the Aaron Rodgers saga that continues is, is my real deep concern is is Douglas and Salah kind of know that they want to go with you know Carr or Garoppolo because they want somebody who's in there day one ready to go but I think they're going to be usurped by you know the owner because the owner is going to really be desperate for Aaron Rodgers well, yeah, Jose, I agree with you. Thanks for the phone call. The owner is going to be desperate for Aaron Rodgers because he wants to get to the postseason. And to him, and to and look, let's face it, Aaron Rodgers is better than Derek Carr. He is. Both of them had bad years last season. He was better in a bad year than Derek Carr was. All right? Are there, are there intangibles that Carr brings that uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't, you know, like locker room and everything. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that that that's helpful. But listen, if you're winning, your locker room's usually pretty good anyway. So I know we hear this talk about culture and everything. And yeah, culture is important. There's no question about it. Winning culture is important, especially when you're a team that hasn't won in a while. So you want to bring people around to teach your younger players what it takes to win. Yes, they've come from winning programs in college, but it doesn't mean that they understand what it takes to win at the next level. And so, yeah, that's what you want to do. And Aaron Rodgers has won the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has been successful. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. And clearly, other than Lamar Jackson, who really cannot be in this conversation because he's not really available the way Rodgers and Carr and Garoppolo are, there's no question that he's the best choice. He's the youngest. He's got the most ceiling. He's got a lot of talent, and he's playing the game the way the game is being played right now. I mean, Aaron Rodgers moves, but not like he used to. Derek Carr is not exactly what you call a RPO special quarterback. And Jimmy G, you know, you don't want him in an RPO situation. You're a little nervous. <laughs> Okay, you are. So it's 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 a lot of 
it's a lot of moving parts here to see how this thing is going to go. So just sit back and relax because we're a long way from getting this finished as to figure out where which person is going to go. Once Aaron Rodgers has that conversation about whether he's going to, quote, retire, unquote, or want to come back to Green Bay and they can't figure anything out, then we'll be able to move and see what's happening. We're just getting started on this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We'll continue it next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Quarterback situation in the Big Apple between Daniel Jones and what the Jets are doing at quarterback. In a couple of minutes, we'll turn our attention to the NBA and what we can expect from the New York Knicks as they get back after the All-Star break beginning tomorrow night in the game you hear right here on 98.7 ESPN against Washington. Bing bong! Yeah, let's see. We'll, we'll, we'll get some thoughts about what's happening uh, with them and what I hope will happen with them. We'll get your thoughts on how well you think they can do. Will they, Can they get to a fifth, sixth seed? Can they remain a sixth seed and get to a fifth seed? Can they not do the play-in thing? We'll talk about the Knicks in about 10 minutes or so. Right now we're talking to George and Union. George, you're next on 98.7. Big brother Larry Hardesty. Always great to speak with you, my friend. So Larry, What's happening, George? In regards to the Daniel Jones contract, my question is, term-wise, what type of what type of terms, or how many years is he looking for, and the type of money, and also any possibility you think if the conversations get a little dicey, whether or not the Giants may decide to look elsewhere and and, and get into this the sweepstake of all these quarterbacks that are available. And then lastly, my comments on the Jets specifically the one and only Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Being the diva that he is, Larry, what is your opinion? Does Aaron Rodgers want to play in New York? And will he be able to stand to the fire? So I'll listen and hang up. Uh, I'll hang up and listen to you, my friend. All right, George. Thanks for checking in. All right, let's start with the last one first. Um, I think he would enjoy the challenge of being in New York. I think Aaron Rodgers would enjoy that challenge. I think he would. Um you know, it's it's a it's a young team. It's a team that has ha- hasn't had a lot of success. So he comes in as kind of you know the savior to turn things around. So I think any 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 professional athlete loves a challenge. Now I know that New York brings its own special challenges because of the media scrutiny and all the extra cameras that would be there and. Listen, you could talk to Brett Favre and Brett Favre would tell them what it was like because Brett Favre did it for a year. But I think I think he would he would enjoy that challenge. Now, how he whether he would be able to handle it uh and how would he handle it? That's another situation. I think Daniel Jones the contract his contract demands have not been made public. What I've read and heard is he's looking for a four or five year deal probably a four-year deal. I know that's what the Giants have offered him. And I think um, if if indeed what uh, we heard in the report earlier from Diana Rossini, that he wants in the low fours, the low 40s, you know, a million, like 41 million, 42 million. And the Giants are looking in the high threes, like 36, 37, 38. You're looking at about a five to $8 million a year difference. And so that's concerning. I don't think that they are willing to look elsewhere for him and get into this confusion of a quarterback thing. I don't think so. I think they will probably go on and, you know, try to lock him in and and get it done. That's what I think they would do personally. I think they'll just say, hey, guess what? We'll well, if we have to franchise him, we'll franchise him. We don't really want to, but if we have to, we will, and they'll lock him in. But, uh, you know, he's – and I get that he wants the multi-year deal. I understand it. And part of it is, even though from a pride standpoint, part of it is the fact that he really, I guess, is trying to make the organization pay for the fact that they didn't renew his, his fifth-year option. But, I mean, to be fair – if he was the organization, he wouldn't have renewed his fifth-year option either because he didn't play well enough to earn that type of money. He didn't. 
He all the things that he did not do last year, he did before. Turn the football over, fumble the ball, uh, interceptions, do a bunch of different things. Now his first season, actually his first season, he was pretty good. His first season, he was better than the last two seasons before this year. His first season, I'm telling you, he was pretty good. He showed he could complete passes. He had a he was smart. He had turnovers, but all rookie quarterbacks have turnovers. So uh, I think the Giants, the Giants have expressed an interest that they want him back. I think things would have to totally blow up at the table for him to not be in a Giants uniform next season. 1-800-919-3776. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next on 98.7. No, these NBA games is pretty good tonight, huh? Man, that Philly game, I thought about you, Buddha. That Philly game had me on the edge of my seat. That was a real good game. Listen, Joel Embiid makes me long for the old-time centers, Buddha. You know, the guys yeah, that man. even though he can hit the three, guys that's in the post, got a little attitude, you know, don't take no mess, rebound. The shot block he had on John Morant was outstanding. Oh, it's outstanding. Listen, his defense was, was, was awesome. Oh. Uh, you notice that um, this foot thing is bothering him. And, yeah, it is. You know, he, he also has some type of cold. But, you know, he does uh, – I would like if he dwelled in the post a little bit more than he does. He's a little perimeter sometimes when he doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what a game, man. And I'm looking at this game now with the Lakers and Golden State. It seems like the Lakers were up 12. Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers were up 12 like two seconds ago. Yeah. Now <laughs> it's a three-point game. Absolutely. But you know what, man? Oh. Uh, uh, Listen, there's two things that really stood out to me today. Um, mm-hmm. I, listen, you talk about the Sixers. Listen, I love every Sixer that came through. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Doc originally, Moses after that, Barkley, Iverson, and now Embiid. I mean, Charles Barkley on the court. You know, he wasn't even the best player when he first got you know in the league. He developed himself. He made himself a great player. Loved him on the court. You know, off the court, man, he is an absolute blabbermouth. <laughs> you know, this, this stuff with him and Kevin Durant, and, you know, know, listen, I've had my issues with Durant about some of the things he's done, some of the choices he's made. But, you know, and, and I and I noticed that Charles Barkley pulls Shaq into a lot. I mean, they're hitting these young guys too much. It, yeah. It's a little bit over the top. And to be quite frank, like I said, Barkley developed himself into being a great player. Kevin Durant was a great player the minute he stepped on the court. Mm-hmm. And in all, in totality, I don't care about what rings or how he got them. You know, if you were going to ask me which player I would want to start a team with, I would have to go with Kevin Durant as much yeah. as I love Barkley. You know, yeah. I, have to, I have to keep it a buck. Uh, There's one more thing, though, that really, really was troubling to me. Um, you know, I know that you used to do that work with Keith Elias, you know, working mm-hmm. with the youth. Yep. And, I, and I know, you know, I like to talk about my work history so much and all that, but you know that I I, I work with youth and care. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I work as a counselor in high schools with um, young people, you know, who are having their issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that was a common thread when I worked with all of them, you talk to them, you know, you get down, you know, the young person, everything like yep. that. Yep. A lot of the reasons why they make poor choices, sometimes it was, you know, circumstances dictated that and all that. But they will always refer to one thing, you know, the adults. When I look to the adults for, you know, some type of guidance and something, like they disappointed me and they let me down. And what's going on in Alabama? Mm. I mean, not only is it disappointing, it's tragic. A young lady, 23 years old, lost her life. A child doesn't have a mother anymore. And they wanted, their, their main concern was, guess what? He wasn't indicted of anything. I mean, come on, man. Come on. That kid should not have been playing. Nope. I don't care if it happened five weeks ago. I don't care what happened. Show some type of respect for loss of life. And then even with the young person, like I said, some of the toughest kids I work with, some of the, the wildest kids I work with, there was two things that was always prevalent. Those kids were always, look, I got to defend my mom. I got to defend my little sister. I got to defend my little brother. And, if you weren't a part of whatever was going on in the street, they never wanted to see anything bad to you. And for that young man to want to go out there and play, despite what happened, with no remorse, with no you know, sense of awareness of, wow, something really bad happened, it's very disappointing, man. 
especially with all the stuff that we see going on every day. Um, I just, you know, that bothered me, man. Love you, man. You're right, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. It's it's as though he's saying to himself, people will think I'm overly guilty or whatever if I don't play. It's not about playing. Okay, if anything, you just need to keep, a, you know, apologies or whatever the situation is. And He shouldn't have played and the coach shouldn't have played. It's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. It's, 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 it's very disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. And um, but I'm still doing some of that work. I'm doing it now with another giant, with Billy Taylor out in Long Island. But yes, it's, I know what you're saying about talking to young people. You're right. It's, it's it's interesting when you have those conversations with them, and to hear some of their experiences, and some of the coaching, what coaches are doing, <laughs> that they even shake their heads with, and watch. It's it, it is an interesting conversation, my friend. It really is. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. We'll take your calls in a minute. But first, the New York Islanders' 50th anniversary season rolls on with celebrations and giveaways all season long at their home, their new home, the UBS Arena. And ESPN New York wants to make you a part of this historic season. Enter to win two free tickets to see the Islanders face off against the Detroit Red Wings, who beat the Rangers tonight. And this is a big matchup. Detroit's trying to get back into this playoff hunt, and they have a big game on the road against the Islanders on March 3rd. Just download the ESPN New York app, scroll down to contest, and submit your entry. Now, for full contest rules, go to ESPNNewYork.com. And if you want to find out what's going on with team news, tickets, and more, be sure to visit NewYorkIslanders.com. And you can catch every Islanders game live on the Islanders stream, heard only on the ESPN New York app. More of your conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. The ceiling, I would argue, would be the second round and most likely losing to Boston or Milwaukee in the second round. I think that's probably as far as they could go this year. But I can just tell you right now, the way that people around the league are viewing this team is completely different than it was you know, over the last couple of years. you got to come to work to beat them. And Brunson's a big part of it because he's a better NBA player than people thought. And what he's doing right now is nothing short of remarkable. And it gives them a chance every night to have leadership like that at that spot. The Knicks have been looking for a point guard to be a leader to run their team for 20 years. I mean, literally, look at the number of guys that have played that spot for the last couple of decades looking for Jalen Brunson. That was Tim Legler talking about the New York Knicks and what their ceiling is this year. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 987 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. What do you think? Do you agree with them? Second round. I would be extremely happy if they got to the second round. As a matter of fact, Dave and Rick, you know, part of our morning show, DPH on Rothenberg, 6 to 10, Monday through Friday here on 987 ESPN, thinks that they can get to the second round also. I don't think you beat Boston, Milwaukee, or Philadelphia, but is there a chance you get to the five? Could you go up against a Cleveland in the first round? That's a different your best ball, chance. That's a different ball game. Right, now. that's your best chance. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, you finish six and you play Philly, you got your hands full. But yeah, you find a way to five. That's a legitimate chance. Is, is, is it a we're going to win that series? No, no but do you have a re- like right. a real chance to win that series? Yeah, is it like a a forty percent chance to win that series? Sure, I, I think it is. I think you could compete with Cleveland. Yeah, I think you start to get a little bit greedy here now. Yeah, I agree with the guys. You do. If you can find a way, and look, I understand, be careful what you wish for. You never know what happens. And the four and the five is 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 always an up and down series. But the four and the five, they're normally very close to each other, which makes those games really tight and really competitive. And I believe right now that, and of course, it's going to take some time, right? You have to see what happens as, and how they finish. And when Mitchell Robinson comes back and, and all the way and what happens with R.J. Barrett, can he get himself going? What can, how, how can he get himself in the right frame of mind where he could be more consistent in scoring? I mean, he's scoring 19 points a game, but it doesn't – stats are misleading, right? When you watch him, because I love the eye test. I know the numbers, but I'm looking at the eye test. It doesn't look like he's averaging 19 points a game. Okay, he doesn't. It looks like he's struggling. His three-point shot is awful. Here's where he makes it up, putting the ball on the deck and going to the basket. That's where he's getting his points. And fortunately, he's finishing more consistently than he's had in the past. But there's just – his defense is not right. So 
if he can take that, if he can get back to playing the way we know he can play, and you love what Josh Hart has brought to the team just after two games. Now we'll see how, you know, once teams adjust to how he's being used and will they have an ability to adjust to him, what, what's going to happen? Is he going to be as, you know, efficient as he's been so far? Hopefully, yes. Because you love what he brings to the table, his versatility. He can hit the three. He rebounds for you. He does a lot of great things. As a matter of fact, he says it's real easy to fit on the team where he knows the point guard. First game, you just you just got to go out there and just play basketball. I think that's the biggest thing, and I think the way this team plays, the way coach coaches, you know, it's it's freedom um, in a controlled environment. I think that's the biggest thing, and it's it's good quality basketball, and you got unselfish guys. I think that's the biggest thing. So, me being able to just jump in there, you know, everything just felt like it formed well. So just going out there and just playing felt good. And Jalen, you love having your former Villanova teammate on the back court, on the floor with you, don't you? With that comfort level. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Off to the phones we go. Richard's in Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Hi, Larry. Larry, as far as Daniel Jones goes. Mm-hmm. You couldn't give him money after three years. First of all, the guy was always injured. You're right. You can't invest in that kind of – so for him to think that the the Yankees wouldn't give Judge the money last year, not because they didn't think his potential or that he was deserving of it. He couldn't prove that he could stay on the field for 150, 145 you know, games. You know? So they didn't want to invest all that money in somebody who was injury-prone. Uh, you saw signs of it with uh, flashes with uh, Jones, but not enough. And he was too injury prone. You could not give that guy the money. So he cannot have any reservations why the Giants did something wrong to him. They did nothing wrong. Now, I'll admit, he had a great year, and he brought the Giants, you know, to relevancy uh, as far as watching them. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, they were unwatchable for his first three years. So he does deserve a little payback in this contract for what he did this year. Because, obviously, he was underpaid for this year. Yes. And he did bring the Giants. This was, this was fantastic yes. as far as that goes. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, I don't think he's worth as much to another franchise as he is to the Giants. He's got the perfect situation here with the, the Giants, with his coach. And uh, he's not, I, can't, I can't see him going anywhere else for his own sake. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't. For, I mean, I know it's a lot of money, maybe five or seven million a year for five years or something. But still, when you factor everything else, I don't see. I don't see him leaving the Giants. So it's just something they're going to have to iron out. Uh, Larry, let me play a devil's advocate for sure. to you for this. Mm-hmm. All right, we all know the Giants Jets need another quarterback. Yes, but let's say they. I mean, if they decided to keep Wilson and White as their quarterbacks, mm-hmm. they'd have all that money to play with, wouldn't they, for getting better players? They wouldn't have to pay these two guys anything for next year. Is that correct? Yeah, well, Mike White is a free agent. So, oh, he so would have, have to be, to... they would have to pay him. He's a free agent, so he would have to be re-signed if they wanted to bring him back. Yeah. Oh, and he would command a big salary, or what do you think? Well, uh, I don't think so, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. I, I, I don't think he would because he really hasn't played a lot. And he's, you talk about injury situation. He's another guy that, you, you know, you can't stay on the football field. I mean, he's got, he's got really good potential. You can see that he is a, a more competent quarterback as far as he, him leading receivers and doing certain things. The downside to him is – he doesn't move around in the pocket well enough. He's not an RPO guy, and that's part of the reason why. I mean, you look at the shots that he took in in in, in some of the games. It's just like it's like wow. Where was the roughing the passer flag on those? I mean, he took some shots. So his durability is always going to be a question because he doesn't move around the pocket and he doesn't run enough where he can buy some time and, and move and extend plays. But you could see that he's, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a more fundamentally sound quarterback than Zach Wilson is. There's no question about that. And if they kept both of them, 
Richard, uh, you know, they Robert Salah would probably be looking for work next year. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. More of your calls next on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. All I've been hearing about is that the Knicks don't have a superstar, but guess what? They have a dynamic duo in Julius Randle and Jalen Bronson. And last night they had 66. They combined for 66 of the 120 points for the Knicks. The Knicks are playing inspiring basketball. Julius Randle should be an all-star and Jalen Bronson should be an all-star. That's how I feel. It's not about the Celtics. It's about mm. the Knicks. That was Kendrick Perkins on first take after the uh, reflecting on the Knicks beating the Boston Celtics. That was a surprise, boy. I was sitting there like, what? It's ESPN New York tonight. Freddie and Fitzsimmons at the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in a second. Let's hear from uh, Jalen Brunson. And he was talking about the comfort level he has with his Villanova teammate, Josh Hart, on the court. Yeah, it's um, it's like second nature. It goes back to when um, practicing against each other, you know, for uh, those two years we were together. And uh, we were always constantly competing. And then uh, when we got to the court, now we just knew that we always wanted to win. And um, we both just try to make the right play at the right time. And um, like you said, we, we have a lot of unselfish guys. And... Um, we're willing to do whatever it takes to win. And so um, I think as long as we're keeping that our main priority, uh, we're going to continue to get better. It's very simple for me. For this Nick team to continue to be successful, beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and hang in there against teams that are better and steal some wins, and it could get you a fifth seed. Definitely a sixth seed. I just, I can't, I, I, of course, I want them to make the postseason, even even if it means the play-in. But the way they're playing now, if they had to go through a play-in, I, I got to be honest, I'd be a little disappointed. I would be. I'd be disappointed. 1-800-919-3776. Matt is in Merrick. Matt, you're next on 98.7. Hey, how's everything going? Um, What's up, Matt? I was make, hey, how's it going tonight? Uh, I was going to make a point about the Knicks and then the Jets super quick. Um, so I wanted to talk about the Knicks really quick. Um, I agree with everything uh, that you were actually saying. And I think that this year for the Knicks, yes, of course, you want to make a run. You want to try to make a run deep into the playoffs and hopefully into the finals. Obviously, as a <laughs> Knicks fan, you're always hopeful. But uh-huh. I think a small victory this year would be getting that fifth or sixth seed, winning the first round, and now all of a sudden you're on the recruitment side. All of a sudden you got Jalen Brunson, uh, you got Julius Randle, um, you have a young core, right? You got a Villanova teammate with Brunson and Hart, you know, side by side. And you can now go pitch to players and say, hey, listen, we didn't win the whole thing last year, but it's New York City. You can come join us. You can come play alongside us. But here's the biggest thing. Here's the biggest thing, in my opinion. You don't want a guard. You want like a swingman. You want to, mm-hmm. you want like sort of like a flex player. You don't want a guard because I'm looking at, I'm looking at Brunson's numbers right now. And he's got 20, he's, he's top 25 in points per game. He wouldn't have those points per game if he was sharing the ball with another very active guard, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, um, so I don't know if you want to thoughts on that, and then I was just going to move on to the Jets really quick. Well, the only thing I'll say is I agree with you. They need a 3 and D guy. That's right. what they need there. They need a, a six seven six eight six nine three and D guy that can hit the three, you know, play good defense, give you some rebounds and stuff like that. Because really, what happens when they play bigger teams, they they they're really small, and right. so that's that that's that's what they have to uh, you know improve in the off season. What's your Jets point? And the Jets point, real quick, is I was lo- I was doing a little bit of research just because I was you know I was bored looking at the quarterback situation. <laughs> the Aaron, the Aaron Rodgers situation is interesting because he's thirty nine. Uh, Derek Carr isn't as interesting because he's really technically thirty two. He turns thirty two in March. Now, the Aaron Rodgers and the Lamar Jackson situation makes sense because Lamar Jackson is only 26. So if you went young, you could potentially have a quarterback that was here for the next six, seven, maybe eight years if there was a lot of, if there was an incredible amount of success. And then with Aaron Rodgers, it's, an, it's a unique situation because you could come in for one year. You could, you could try and draft, uh, you know, maybe a diamond in the rough quarterback to learn behind him. Then as Aaron Rodgers moves on, because you know he will after a year or two, now all of a sudden you can maybe just, you know, roll the dice. Maybe you, maybe you struck gold in the draft. Maybe you found someone that uh, is a little bit better than his expectations. And guess what? If he's learning under Aaron Rodgers, that's not a bad situation to be in. And then on the other hand, if you're Lamar Jackson, you're also young enough where you could, have, you could finish out your career in a place like New York. But Derek Carr, you're 32, 
two or three years go by, all of a sudden you're 35. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's not that ideal. You know, so that that's it. Thanks, thanks for taking my call. All right, you got it, Matt. The only thing that the only wild card there is from the Jets standpoint is they don't have to give up any draft compensation for Carr. So that's what makes him appealing. It's just not that it's just the money, but it's a money it's a money transaction only. So that's the other thing. But uh, you broke it down pretty good. Nice job. Nat's in Brooklyn. Nat, you're next on 98.7. Hi, man. What's going on? What's up, Nat? Good. I just wanted to point out that Jalen Brunson was at the Mavericks last year. He was a nice, fine player. He was averaging 15 points a game. Yeah, he was playing behind Luka. But there was no real second star on that team. Yeah, he comes to New York. He's been averaging 30 his last 20 games, 24 in the season. Tom Thibodeau deserves some credit. He has not pushed every right button this season, but I've yet to hear a single radio station, not a single person on ESPN, anyone give any credit to Tom Thibodeau regarding Jalen Brunson's success. And I think he, he deserves some credit for that. It's not easy for a player to go from 15 points to 24 points a game. And he hasn't pushed every right button this season, but he has created the space for Jalen Brunson to excel in this offense and to become the star player that he has become this season. What's your thoughts? Well, you're right, Nat. Thanks for the phone call. He, all, all he did was say, here, take the ball. You're, you're, the, you're the point guard. Run the offense. That's what he did. And listen, for him, it was a no-brainer because Julius Randle was running the offense. And in his first year, in Tibbs' first year here, while he, you know, did did a, a decent job, had a lot of turnovers, but listen, he wasn't he wasn't a guard. He was a point forward, and so you entrusted your offense with him, and you know, it, it wasn't as effective as it is now. You're watching. Here's what you here's what you're watching with Jalen Brunson, right? You're seeing him be free, and he kind of showed you it last season in the postseason. When Luca was on the bench, what he was able to do on the floor showed you that hey, you know what? This guy's pretty good. He's more than just he's more than just a pass first point guard. He's, he can he can give he's got a little creativity. He's got he's got guts. He's got he, he can get anywhere he wants to go on the floor. And if anything, give Jalen Brunson credit, Nat, for him improving as a three point shooter because the word the the word on him from the scouts was. He's not really that good at three. He's really good, in, you know, 18, 20 feet, can get to the basket. His threes, his threes not that great. Well, he did some work on his threes. There's no question about it. And you can see the difference. And that has definitely helped him. But listen, this is his team. This is his team. Let's face it. It was Julius Randle's team. This is Jalen Brunson's team. And David Rick. Agree with me. Listen to him. This is Jalen Brunson's team. Jalen Brunson has turned himself. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's a star. It, yeah, well, Tib said it. I mean, Tib said it after the game, too, talking about him. Like, when you look at what he did at Villanova, like, one of the more more accomplished college basketball players, two national championships, and then somehow slips to the second round. And But he's just... You know what it is about him? It's just he wants to... Uh, all he wants to do is contribute and to win, and whatever that means, whatever role that is. And Dallas's role was different. Now, all of a sudden... He's like, the alpha he had, here now. Oh, yeah. When he had to step up in Dallas, he did and was great in the playoffs, and now it's his team, and he's got the ball in his hands in big moments, and... Great. Dude, since January 1st, he's averaging almost 30. I mean, don't you, Nick fans, you could be honest. Don't you feel so much better now late in games when the ball is in his hands and you know you're either going to get a great shot, uh, he's going to go to the free throw line, hit the free throws. There's not that panic. Now, yeah, they had a couple of games where it didn't work out well. I grant you. I grant you that. I get it. There's no question. There was a couple. But over this last stretch where they have performed well, you can see that everybody understands where they belong, and they've worked on it. And now there's a little more calm and understanding where everybody's role is and where everybody is supposed to be. And the best part of those unfortunate situations where they did not 
perform well down the, in, down the stretch is Jalen Brunson's anger when he met the media afterwards, his anger and frustration over how it did not work. Okay? Because that's his role. And so you loved his anger. You loved his frustration. You loved the passion he had and the urgency to say, we got to get this right. Like it's costing us games. And I'm not saying that players, this is going to come out weird. I'm not saying players come here to lose, but I'm saying that you can tell he does not want to lose and doesn't like losing. And I don't think players enjoy losing, but some of them take it harder than others. And you can see he doesn't wear losing well. And as a fan, that's what you want. How, what do we hear from fans all the time? Oh, the, I only want them to want it as much as I do. I want them to be invested as much as I am. He's invested. Brunson's invested. You can see he's invested. When they struggle, he's not happy. And he has the right attitude. He scores 30, they lose. He's not happy. That's what you want. And so he has taken that attitude and that toughness and he's embraced it and brought it on the court. And I'm telling you, I was just, he has got to be so happy to be away from Luca in the sense of to be able to run an offense the way he wants to run it, as opposed to being alongside the ball dominant Luca Doncic, who is a phenomenal player, phenomenal player. But he handles the ball a lot. <laughs> he handles it. People say LeBron is ball dominant. Luca is ball dominant. Not 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 like LeBron. Luca is ball dominant. I mean, like all the time. We'll continue the conversation with you on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Oh, that Bartholomew Scott. <laughs> <laughs> he was so much fun to cover, as you can imagine, his years with the Jets. He was so much fun. Hun! So yeah. He and Alan Hahn, you can hear them noon to three, Monday through Friday here on 98.7 ESPN. He's a little shy. You know, sometimes he, he doesn't always express himself. You have to wonder what he's thinking sometimes. But uh, otherwise, he's, he's pretty good at what he does. Can't wait! <laughs> Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas. Trey, you're next on 98.7. What's going on, Larry? Everything is good, man. What's happening? You know, as much as I want to, you know, uh, give uh, my big bro a hard time, man, um, what la- what happened last night with that kid, oh, that was disgusting, man. It was. It was. That was disgusting. I think that what that really showed everybody, man, is that what, what this is all about. It's all about money. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how the I guess that's the AD down in uh, Tuscaloosa. I love how he was just really covering his bases, man. You know, when 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 is somebody going to say something about that young man that doesn't have a mother anymore? You know, I haven't heard that not one time that we're going to do something to, to to make sure that this kid is okay. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know, no, nobody said anything. Nope. Um, I I was disgusted by that. I know this kid is supposed to be the best player in the nation. I could care less about that right now. You it's know, not, I think that's the important. problem. That doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, man. I think it's disgusting, man. And I, I and I wish I would. I wish I wish we could talk about better stuff, you know, on your show, Larry. Because I, y'all want to call it a waste of time, man. But you know, it really is uh, a sad situation, man, down there in Tuscaloosa, man. It and is. I hope that resolve. I hope it gets resolved soon because uh, somebody's gonna have to. Somebody's gonna have to answer for what happened, man. And I know that they got the kid in custody or whatever, but. I don't know, man. This looks like an onion that's going to end up getting peeled, man. And I sure hope that this kid wasn't around nothing, that he didn't have no yeah. business being around. Because if so, he is in trouble, trouble. And yes, guess he is. what? Alabama basketball is in trouble. And yes, for them is. to have a great kid, a great player like that, and to have ascended to one of the top five schools in the nation, you do not want this. Nope. You do not want this. This is bad for business. Um, no real quick, real quick. Uh, I, I like I, I like the direction. You know, I, I love hearing the sound from Brunson and Hart. Um, you're right about RJ. You're you're absolutely right about RJ Barrett, man. I mean, 
now 19 points ain't nothing now, Larry. That sounds like something to to me, you, you know, Richard from Manhattan, Uncle Spike. You know, hear somebody drop 19, you're like, okay, yeah, he's getting there. He's getting there. But his 19 is lethargic, Larry. His 19 is, you know, is, is some a lot of times garbage baskets, you know, at the, end of, at the end of quarters and stuff like that, man. And, you know, them not picking them up on D. I... I he man, if we could get, <laughs> I know they ain't gonna do it, man. If we, you know who I want from Oklahoma City, man. Yeah, I know. Give me you SG, want. give me SGA, man, and get, and get give me SGA and get RJ Barrett up out of here, man. Give me, yeah, I don't. As long as Grimes ain't in the deal and quickly ain't in the deal, we can do whatever y'all want to do, man. Get me SGA. That's what we need. You just described him, Larry. You just described what we need, right? right? That's what we need. Mm-hmm. You know uh, what's scary, guy? That hit shots. You know what's scary, Trey is. There's the more I read and listen to some folks, there's a growing sentiment. And and listen, RJ is control of this because if he starts performing well, he can shut everybody up. But there's a growing sentiment of people saying that they don't think he can perform here now. That he's being because, Trey, you know what Tom Thibodeau is going to do. You know who's going to be on the floor late in the game. It's going to be Josh Hart. R.J. Barrett not going to be on the floor late in the game. I'm going to tell you that right now. Thanks for the phone call, my friend. There's going to be situations where R.J. is not going to be on the floor because Hart's a better three-point shooter. He's a better defender. Better free throw shooter. So while you – and the tragedy is you just paid him a bunch of money. But once again, he's in control of that. It just means that he's got to – perform better on the floor. And so it's going to be interesting to see how he does in, in these games tomorrow. And he can't bulldoze his way back in, right? He can't. There's a thin line between being aggressive and shooting and taking bad shots. It's a thin line because you want your players to be aggressive, but you have to fit in. There's a flow in this offense now. There's a flow in this offense that Randall and Brunson have. And so, you know, there's times, and you see him on on certain occasions where he understands that, passes the ball, it's great. That's what you want to see. But that's on the offensive side. But he knows he's been here for the Thibodeau duration. You got to step it up on the D if you want to be on the floor. You know, we can say what we want to about Thibodeau. Doesn't play kids. Well, he's playing kids now. He's not a. He's he's got issues with game management as far as you know making adjustments in game and game situations. Yes, he does. He needs more work on that. There's no question about it. He's going to play a bunch of people for a long amount of time. Yes, we understand that. We know these are things we know about him. And the other thing we know about Tom Thibodeau, he will play you if you play defense. It's very simple. He's he's he is consistent. With that, you play D, you're going to play. Even if you don't score a lot, you play D, you'll be good. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting scenario to see how this Nick team is going to fare. And we went down the schedule a couple of weeks ago. And there's a stretch in March where they head west. And they've got, Clippers and Lakers back to back. They've got some games. That's that it's it's we need to see and it will tell us a lot about this team. It's similar to the COVID year where they were in the bubble and they went on a West Coast trip. And we were looking at that trip and we were saying I don't know how they come out of that trip. And they caught fire and played extremely well and came out of that trip. And that's really the trip that got them to the fourth seat. So the next thing for them is to see if they can do that again this season. But once again, it's very simple. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Hang in there with the teams that are better. Stay close and find a way to win and steal a couple. That's how you have to play over this last 20 plus games. And that's how you will not have to be in playing in the playing zone 
you'll have a playoff, legitimate playoff spot. And then you worry about it from there. Then you worry about it from there. Mitchell Robinson has been missed. Okay, he's been missed. Now, the Knicks have done, you know, a, a decent job but without him, but he's been missed. And Tom Thibodeau weighs in on how the team has managed, especially defensively, since Mitchell Robinson's injury. Good. You know, like the thing is, is everyone, I think that sometimes the byproduct of someone going out is an opportunity for someone else to get in there. And so I think the experience for Jericho has been really good. I think Isaiah has really found a nice rhythm. Uh, so you look at it that way. Okay, how, how could we learn and grow from this? And then, um, you know, just find ways to scratch out wins. If you're on a roster, you're, you're, you're a great player. So get in there and get the job done. Been able to do. And listen, Jericho Sims has done a nice job in spots. He's done a nice job. Needs to beef up a little bit. Some of the bigger people are pushing him around some, but he's hanging in there. And if they can just hold on until Robinson comes back and Robinson gets back in shape, you know, that would be helpful. Uh, before we leave, let's do a, a couple of quick minutes on the Brooklyn Nets because, once again, as I've said, I think I have no doubt they're going to make it to the postseason. I don't think they're going to drop into the play-in. I think they've got enough talent that they can either they'll either be fifth or sixth. They'll either stay where they are or they'll drop to sixth. But I don't see them dropping into the seventh spot. I really don't. A great article today by Brian Lewis in the New York Post about how what Jacques Vaughn is going to do is really focus on defense. And that's the one thing that you can say about this Nets team. They can score somewhat. They, they, they're going to need different people to contribute big nights every night. It's not going to be the same person. You don't have a you don't have a consistent superstar finisher. You don't have a Kyrie Irving. You don't have a Kevin Durant. You don't have a James Harden. You don't have those players that you can say, okay, put the ball in his hands late in the game, and we can do this. But you've got some nice pieces. You've got some guys who can play the game. And the best part of it is that you've got your athletic, and you can play defense, and you're long. And so the defense is going to help them out. They're going to be in a lot of games because of their defense. And if they stay close to teams and find ways to score, they're going to win. They're going to surprise some people. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Sean Marks did a decent job in getting pieces that are still good now in addition to having some draft picks in the future where you can add some more depth to your team. All right? So, you know, he's done a nice job with that. So this Nets team is going to be in the running. So you Brooklyn fans, I know you're, you know, you're a little devastated. It was a tough year. You went from having a shot at the, at, at the championship to now saying, okay, what's going on? Here we go again. Uh, but I think this year with Jacques Vaughn, and he now knows that he's the head coach and the team knows he's the head coach, they'll be okay. And it's going to be because of their defensive ideas and pressures. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We thank you for joining us. I'll see you Sunday following the Rangers. So we'll be on Sunday night following the Rangers postgame. Uh, Don LaGreca is calling that game, so we'll follow him. Uh, Harvey, Julian, thank you very much. Up next, it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. They're right here. You know they're talking NFL. That's next on 98.7 ESPN.